Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew chapter number six. Amen. Again, no meetings this afternoon. Come this coming Wednesday, Wednesday night, with Zach McGee will be uh, teaching to us Wednesday night. So come for that Wednesday night service. Amen. A lot of things going on in the month, Christmas suppers and such. Kids be singing. Some singing be taking place at a nursing home, same as we did last year. Uh, I'm looking down at my calendar, and I just, I see all kinds of nights filled, 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 filled. Amen. And so uh, we want to just be mindful in the busyness and the hustle and the bustle of it all that we don't lose sight of what the purpose of it all is. Amen. So easy to do during this time of year to be involved in things and leave off the main thing. Amen. Matthew chapter number six had a glorious time. So glad to be back home. Glorious time at both the prison and uh, National Youth Convention. Whenever service was ending Thursday night, I was counting up, been in 14 services in seven days. Amen. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was wonderful. Here we are this morning. Whenever we, uh, National Youth Convention's theme was steadfast. Uh, Brother Josh Wilson started us out and with talking, ministering about prayer. Brother Carpenter finished us out talking about prayer. And that just stoked me so much that I thought I'd come here and talk about prayer this morning. And so that's what I'm going to do. Matthew 6, verse number 5, beginning. Amen. And 5 through 8, I'm going to read this morning. Because that's something else that can get lost in the hustle and the bustle of busyness. Prayer. Lord, don't want to finish out this, this year weak. We want to finish it out strong. Amen in prayer. And when thou prayest, Jesus says, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. Thy father which, is, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore likened to them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Amen. This morning I want to talk about five principles of prayer here today five principles of prayer we could pray the lord would help us in the next few moments here today father i love you this morning god invite you lord jesus into this lesson invite you lord jesus into lord this ministry of your word i pray oh lord help us god to give ear and heart lord to what you would desire to say to us here lord jesus during this time frame lord of the year i pray god today let this not be something lord distant from us Lord, let it be nigh, let it be upon our hearts and upon our minds, God, that we would be students and that we would be participants, Lord, in prayer. God, we love you and thank you for it. 
In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Samuel Chadwick said it like this. He said, there is no power like that of prevailing prayer. Of Abraham pleading for Sodom. Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night. Moses standing in the breach. Hannah intoxicated with sorrow. David heartbroken with remorse and grief. Jesus in sweat of blood. He said, add to this list from the records of the church, your personal observation and experience, and always there is the cost of passion unto blood. Such prayer, he says, prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. That's what he spoke concerning prayer. And to try to operate life without that aspect of prayer would be very similar to try to operate your vehicle just on the fumes of the gas that once was. And in doing so, finding ourselves that we will end up stranded, folks. We will end up stranded and without, without the venue of prayer. We cannot get very far in our walk with God in this Christian walk without a prayer life. Amen. Uh, to believe that we can do it without it is to basically slap God in the face and basically to inform God and let him know I can do it without you. But I have come to the juncture in the road too many times with tears streaming down my face where I admitted openly, God, I cannot do it without you. I don't want to ignore my need to pray. Amen. The Bible tells us here that there is a request a request. Many times, I believe as a church, as individuals, we come back to it time and again, but there are people and churches, ministries that struggle with prayer, struggle with the consistency of prayer, struggle with the discipline of prayer. Amen. Throughout even the scriptures, there were people that struggled with the concept and the idea of prayer. So we're not alone. We're not by ourselves. And just because they struggle, though, does not mean then that we just need to sit back idly because it's just a part of life. Well, it is to a certain degree, but that by no means, just because there is a reoccurring uh, uh, thing that happens within our world or within our church, should by no means give justification then to the times that we refrain. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 11 and verse 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. We said it once, we'll say it again, of all the things that the disciples could have requested of the Lord, they could have asked him, show us how to do some profound miracle or profound wonder in the eyes of the people. They could have asked the Lord, teach us, teach us how it is that you can bring the dead back to life again. But it was not that that they asked of the Lord. They asked of the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray out of all the things they could have asked. They could have said, Lord, teach us how to multiply the bread and the fishes, but that's not what they asked. They asked, oh, Lord, teach us to pray. They seemed to understand that there was a grand importance, amen, in the, the, the discipline and the practice of prayer, amen. Uh, collectively, collectively, 
in the scriptures, they only made two requests ever to the Lord. One is found in the text of Luke 11.1 1 that I just read. The other one is voiced by Philip in John 14, 8-11 when he requested that he would see the Father. It's amazing that just two things that were ever requested of the disciples, one was prayer and the other one was that they might see or that they might witness, if you will, the Father. Amen. Out of all these things that were asked for, they could have even asked for a greater knowledge of the law. That would have probably been beneficial. Amen. Even for them. They, they, they could have requested power over the elements that was in their world or they could have even asked for a little bit more love or a little bit more patience. Again, would probably have been very beneficial for peculiar ones or particular ones of them, but they did not. They asked that God would teach them how to pray. For three and a half years, they would spend with this man called Jesus Christ and could have per se had anything, but the knowledge of prayer is what they desired the most. When was the last time you went down and asked the Lord just to teach you to pray one more time? Huh? Out of everything that we even have at our fingertips in this life that we ask for the Lord, request of the Lord, plead for the Lord, cry out to the Lord for, when was the last time that you asked God just to teach you how to pray all over again? Huh? Teach me, Lord, how to have that daily communion with you just one more time. Amen. To pray. They had seen on many occasions the Lord pray. They had seen him go away by himself. The Bible often talks about that, him getting away by himself to pray. They had witnessed him around them praying this disciplined fashion of prayer. Amen. The Lord prayed often. He prayed much. He prayed during times of joy and he prayed during times of sorrow. He prayed in supplication. He prayed in thanksgiving. They had witnessed this. They had seen this. They had realized this. He prayed alone and he had prayed with them. What they just found out was this, that God just prayed, the Lord just prays. That there doesn't have to be a special time. There doesn't have to be a special occasion. It doesn't have to be at a particular hour of the day. What needs to be done more than anything concerning prayer is that there be a consistency in it. Amen. If you like to pray in the morning, that's great. If you like to pray in the evening, that's wonderful. If you'd rather do yours on your lunch hour, tremendous. If you'd rather do it for 15 minutes or an hour or whatever goes on in your life, if you do it whenever times of sorrow, there joy, that's great. The fact of the matter, let's just do it. Let's just be consistent about it. Consistency goes a long way concerning prayer. Consistency goes a long way concerning prayer. And so the response was this. Jesus responded to the request. He says, all right. He responded. He gives them what's known as the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. Amen. It's actually our prayer, but it's called the Lord's Prayer. He told them in Matthew 6 and verse number 9, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't give us this prayer to read it as our prayer, but as an outline, a pattern, a model by which we learn to pray. And so the Lord's Prayer, though, is set in the context here of verses 5 through 8 that I read to you this morning, that before he gave them this model or this pattern of prayer, he taught them at least five important principles about prayer that I think we need to consider this morning. Number one, I've already hinted at just a little bit. Principle number one is this. Pray regularly. Pray regularly. 
Matthew 6 and 5 says, and when thou prayest. Matthew 6, 6 says, but thou when thou prayest. Matthew 6 and 7 says, but when ye pray. Luke eleven two says, and he said unto them, when we pray. We point this out a lot. You need to look for this in Scripture when you're reading your Bible. When the Bible uses when rather than if. It's very important. The light bulb goes off many times. But the Bible does not say if you pray. The Bible said when you pray. When you pray. In other words, it's not if you're going to do it. It's just when you do it. You're going to do it. It's a regular part of your life. Our need to pray, amen, is the unstated assumption behind Jesus. He wasn't wondering if they're going to do it. He just said, when you do it, this is how you ought to do it. Amen. As believers today, this is expected. I think of Christ expected of his disciples. He expects it of us still yet today. He expects his believers to pray. Amen. He expects his believers to pray. Amen. And so a person must pray, and they must pray regularly. Someone say regularly. We need that, that venue, that prayer is that, that venue of communication with God. Wouldn't it be horrible to have silent treatment from your spouse for a week or two? No one say yes, I'll come down there and hit you. You can be sarcastic at home, don't be sarcastic here. Don't tell me you'd like to go a week without hearing their voice. Uh-huh, smart aleck. Amen. Wouldn't you hate to go a week or a couple of weeks without hearing the voice of the one that you love? And yet we expect God to do that at times, to be very intermittent with our communication to the Lord. Amen. Prayer is God's appointed medium through which he blesses and moves among us. He acts. He really does. Acts on our behalf through the venue of prayer. James said in James 4 and 2, he says, ye have not because ye, what? Ask not. Ye have not because ye ask not. Prayer. Someone say prayer. Sadly enough, some view prayer like the national anthem at a ball game. Gets the game started, but it's not seen as having anything to do with the action on the field. Yet the reality is it really has a lot to do with what's taking place on the field. Well, Glory. We must pray. We must intercede in prayer. And all throughout the scriptures, we are admonished to do just that, to pray. If you allow me to go through a few verses of scripture once again, Matthew 6, 6 says, pray to thy father. Matthew 6, 9 says, after this manner, pray. Matthew 9, 38 says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Boy, that's a good one. So for my understanding, just that, a good means to uh, safeguard against temptation is to pray. Amen. To pray. Luke 18 and 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. First, first Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy 2, 8, pray everywhere. There we go. Yeah. And I guess it's the reason why we see sometimes Christ did it on the mountain. Sometimes he did it by the seashore or the shade of a tree. Pray everywhere. Pray beyond just church. 
And also, it doesn't hurt to pray while you're here either. (laughs) Prayer doesn't have to take place just because we label it a prayer meeting or a prayer night or a third Thursday of the month or prayer before church. Pray everywhere. Amen. The problem isn't so much in knowing we need to pray, but it's making prayer a daily part of our lives. I think we all could attest to the fact I know I need to pray. I've talked to people sometimes in turbulent times of their life tell me, I know, Brother McGee, I need to pray. That's not where the problem is. The problem is is not knowing that you just have no idea. I was supposed to pray. I mean, I'm a Christian. I I didn't know that. That was never the response ever got. It's not that they do not know. It's making it a practice. It's making it a discipline, developing a prayer life. Amen. You got to establish, I hate to say it like this, you got to establish a habit of prayer. A habit of prayer. Why do you have the little timer go off on your coffee machine at a certain time in the morning to start brewing and make the exact same cup of coffee every day that you drink every day of your life? Because somewhere along the way, you started that and you continued it. And now you're in such a place, you're dependent upon it. And everybody knows when you haven't had it. Because it's become a habit, and it's now something so necessary, it must be a part of your life. You need to somehow find a way that you can make prayer just like that. Let there be a time in your day, in your schedule, that it goes off, and it's like, I got to pray. And if I don't have it, my day isn't going to be right. I'm not going to be right. My attitude's... You know, some people, I need my coffee to get my day going. We need to get that attitude about prayer. I need some prayer to get my day going. Or my attitude's not going to be right. This day's just not going to be what it could be if I had my prayer. Maybe we need to make some custom-made coffee cups around here that says prayer on them. And each morning as you grab your cup, maybe there'll be a reminder. Get a cup. Of prayer. Amen. It has to be something, must be something, create a habit, a process that we do every day, regular part of our lives. It's so crucial, folks, in so many ways. Amen. A second principle this morning, I'm trying to hurry along. Second principle today is that our faith affects our prayer. Prayer is an expression of our faith. Prayer is dependent upon our Faith. For that mode, it doesn't necessarily exist apart from our faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe, right, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because before you ever open up your mouth with prayer toward God, before there's any request even made of God, there must have been faith prior to all of that. Because you're not going to pray to something you don't believe in. You're not going to ask of something from him that you don't believe he has the power to do it. Whenever people come forward for prayer, that is an act of faith. Because they evidently believe that if they take their need and their request to God, that he's faithful enough that he will answer in some measure and in some way. So you have an assertive, an assertive concept, an idea, and belief that there is a God 
that can and will do if we'll just simply ask. Someone say amen. He inbound said it like this. He said, faith does not bring the blessing, yet it puts prayer in a position, puts prayer in a position to ask for it. Amen. Faith believes in God and believes God answers those, as Hebrews 11 says, those who diligently seek him. Diligent seekers. Everybody say diligent seekers. Diligent seekers are rewarded when they pray. That's what faith believes. That when I diligently seek, I'll somehow receive an answer. Diligent prayer says something like this. I have faith in God and his ability to aid me today, take care of me today. The lack of prayer says this. I don't have faith in God as much as I profess. Nor am I totally convinced that he has power to aid me, so I'm going to bypass talking to him today. Again, whenever we go without prayer, we believe we can handle it. I don't know if we really understand that, but we believe we can handle it. We can handle whatever crops up in our day. We can handle whatever dilemma we're presently going through. When if we go beyond and not having any prayer part of it, we believe we don't have to ask for help, that we don't need God in our life. We can take care of it. That's, that's awful, awful egotistical. And so in certain elements, a prayer problem could actually stem from a faith problem. Maybe we don't believe in God as much as we profess that we believe. And so our faith is deeply tied to or results then in us seeking or praying to God. If you remember and understand how important it was to Jesus that Peter, the Bible said, would hold on to his faith. Of all the things that he could have prayed for, Jesus prayed for Peter and he prayed for Peter's faith. He said in Luke 22 and verse 32, he says, but I, Jesus that is, have prayed for thee, speaking of Peter, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith. Because had Peter lost his faith, Peter would have lost his prayer. Not only that, he would have lost a lot of other things that 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 7 tell us about because he said, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. That's a very crucial starting place. Virtue and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Faith was the starting point for this addition process in 2 Peter chapter number 1. Faith had to be in place, and so Jesus says, just, just let Peter's faith stay intact because if his faith fails, his prayer's going to fail and all these other things that can be added to his faith are going to fail as well. Faith is a very key component in our life and a way to add to our faith is by prayer because what happens when you pray and your prayer is answered? It boosts your faith. When you pray about a circumstance or a situation in your life and you ask God concerning these things or his will to be done and God comes through right in the nick of time, you're like, man, why didn't I do this sooner? Or why don't I do this more often? Amen. It bolsters our 
faith. And so you get this vicious positive cycle that starts. You have faith in God. When you have faith in God, you go to God in prayer. When God comes through and answers prayer, it increases your faith. And so you got this vicious cycle. Your faith is being increased. Your prayer life is being increased. And it goes on and on and on and on. So your faith does affect your prayer. And then your prayer affects your faith. Amen. Third principle today, when we pray, he told us here, in Matthew 6, that we must pray sincerely. Sincerely. He tells us in verse 5 of Matthew 6, don't be like the hypocrites. Pray sincerely. Praying requires having the right motive while you pray. Because he told us in another portion of Scripture, it is possible to pray amiss with the wrong motive. In the wrong way. And by doing so, not receive the answer that maybe we were praying about. But that happens sometimes when you even pray right. The Bible says you pray according to his will. Sometimes it's not always to decipher the will of God. And when you don't know his literal will for a circumstance, if you just pray, God, whatever your will is. Sometimes that's best because we must pray according to his will. Amen. Not, not to pray just, just to be speaking to ourselves or, you know, but, but don't be praying amiss. Then your prayers are not going to go any higher than your ears, okay? <laughs> you, you got to pray according to his will. And that's something that Jesus set out to teach his disciples right from the go. You need to pray with the right motive. He said the wrong motive for his illustration. He said the wrong motive for your prayer is to be seen of men. He said the right motive for your prayer is to be seen of God. Whenever you can go to prayer and you are more concerned about God seeing you than you are men seeing you. The Bible says these hypocrites that Jesus spoke of, they love to pray. And they love to pray in the open arena with their loud voices so that others might see them. Loving to pray doesn't always denote sincere prayer. Most Jews prayed three times a day. And the hypocrites prayed on the streets and in these crowded places to be seen. And no, even Jesus, he went a little further. He taught a little bit on their giving as well. In Matthew 6 and verse 1, he said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, Don't do what you do to be seen of men. He tells them that in giving. He tells them that in praying. He tells them that in fasting. Don't be doing what you're doing in order to be seen of men. Amen. So a person who only prays in public but not in private is only fooling themselves. It might be good to take a pulse and ask yourself, when are the times that I pray? Do I only pray at church? Do I only pray when there's people in the prayer room before church? Or are there times when I pray when there's not a single other soul around and it's just me and God? Because by doing so, you might start to unveil a motive, even maybe subconscious motive that's happening in your life about when you're choosing to pray. Amen. The person who only prays in public prayers, one reason normally, to receive recognition to be seen of men. Because I would hate for nobody to take recognition that I pray. It may sound funny, but I'm telling you it's the truth. That I pray. 
I'm a leader in the church. Let me throw in a few thou's and these and those. Thou almighty God. <laughs> I, 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 I pray. But notice the posture of this hypocrite in verse number five. The Bible says he stood praying. There's nothing wrong with standing and praying. Laying down, praying on your knees, praying on your back, praying on your side. Any position you want to pray. Standing is absolutely through scripture an acceptable posture in prayer. But in this particular scripture, Jesus is underlying not the, the prayer here of a hypocrite that is standing and praying. That his posture was underlying more than just a physical posture, but the posture of his heart. One of pride. Arrogance. Self-confidence. Amen. Because standing while praying makes you more visible. Kneeling, for the most part, you see someone kneeling that is normally a picture of humility and reverence and dependence upon God. Standing. You remember in the parable of the tares and the wheat, one to come in and sown tares among the wheat. And he said to let both of them grow up together. Don't start pulling the tares right now, but let both of them grow up together because in their infancy, both wheat and tares appear to be very much the same. Uh, their, their, their appearance seems very, very much close, and you might pull some wheat rather than a tear. So you got to allow both of them to grow up together and mature because as they begin to mature, the wheat is going to be bowed over with the grain upon its stalk, but the tear is still going to be standing erect and not bowed over, and you're going to be able to know which one is the tear and which one is the wheat because one is standing up proud while the other one is bowed over under the burden of its fruit. Amen. And so in this instance, the attention received by the Standing isn't necessarily the attention that you want. Amen. He said, so you got to be, be not like the hypocrites. Pray sincerely. Number four, pray secretly. Amen. Matthew 6, 6 tells us to shut the door. Shut the door. Pray secretly. Sometimes the, the measure of sincerity, amen, is when you're praying secretly. Now, Jesus wasn't just saying, well, you know, you pray alone, then that's the most effective prayer that you'll have. But he was expressing to his disciples that there are times that you need to get alone by yourself. Shut everything out. Even the voices of others that you may pray around. Shut all that else out. And you need to be able to concentrate on me because here is something important. I don't know if this is for everyone, but whenever you pray by yourself, you can get real honest about yourself. I don't recall hardly ever, if ever, being in a group setting of prayer and hearing somebody spill out all their sins next to me while I'm praying too to God. No, we're not that vulnerable and open, are we? We don't start talking about all our mistakes when our brothers and sisters are praying around us because we know that they might be eavesdropping. And so we need some times that we're secluded to prayer so we can be honest about who we are. Uh-huh. And we can get all sappy and crying and snot ringing from our nose over what we've done. Amen. So we need times that we can be alone in prayer so that we can just be 100% transparent before God. 
right? And that we can get very introspective concerning ourselves and our God. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love praying around people. Man, sometimes when I hear really people praying, that fuels my prayer. There's somebody hearing somebody else pray. And that's great and that's tremendous. But we need to learn how to pray when no one's there to help fuel our prayer. Is there something? Can we find something within our own life and in who he is to be able to fuel words out our mouth of adoration and thanksgiving that isn't picked upon? Because have you ever been praying before, heard somebody say something, said, yeah, that's a good prayer. And you kind of just pick up on that. Or they prayed for somebody that was in a need. And you're like, yeah, remember Sister Jessup. She's going. We need, though, to be able to get to a place when nobody else is around. That we can be conscious with our own minds and our own spirit to the needs of people and to our own personal needs. And just being able to give adoration to God before someone else talks about his majesty. We can do it when nobody else is around because he's majestic to us. We got to connect to God. We must connect to him spiritually. Must connect to him spiritually, and so we got to shut the door sometimes. We got to remove all distractions. It's the sermon that we've preached for years. Remove all distractions. You got a time you pray? Don't answer your phone during that prayer time. Don't don't allow any interruption to come in unless it is a dire emergency. Amen. Don't try to pray and watch your TV show. Remove all distractions. Amen. Get alone, Christ was telling them. Enter your closet. Shut the door. Be undisturbed. Be unobserved. Be unheard of except by me. We see this over and over again in Scripture. Acts 10 and verse 9. Peter went to the housetop to pray. Cornelius in Acts 10.30, Cornelius prayed in his house at the ninth hour. Mark 1.35, Jesus rose up early in the morning before day and went to a solitary place and there prayed. Mark 6.46, Jesus went up into the mountain to pray and continued there all night. Luke 22.41, Jesus withdrew himself from the, from the three and went a stone's throw away and kneeled down and prayed. Getting alone, shutting the door. Pushing out distractions and finding time to pray. Someone say amen. Years ago, a man who was visiting the United States, he wanted to, and this was years ago because they don't necessarily have this so much anymore, but he wanted to make a telephone call. He entered a phone booth that found it to be different from those in his own country, and it was beginning to get dark, so he had difficulty finding the number in the directory in order to make the phone call he wanted to make. He saw a light in the ceiling of the phone booth, but he didn't have the slightest idea how in the world to turn that thing on. And so as the man tried again to find the number as it was growing darker and darker, not to no avail, he was not, not finding it. A passerby noticed his plight and the condition that he was in, him feverishly trying to find this number, and the light is dimming because of the darkness coming upon him. And the man just simply said this as he passed by. He said, sir, if you want to turn the light on, you have to shut the door. And so the visitor, to his amazement, he shut the door. And when he shut the door, the booth was filled with light. And he could locate the number and make the call. Folks, if you're having a little problem, shut the door and the light will come on. 
Shut the door and the light will come on. Matthew 6, 6. Thy father which is in secret, thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. There is an open reward for a secret prayer. Stated even maybe more with contrast. There is a public reward for a private prayer. <laughs> Nobody heard it. Nobody knows about it. But the answer of it might be on a public forum. And know what? You don't, please, you don't have to say anything because you know what you did in private and feel as though you had a hand in the result because you were doing something in private and now you're seeing it in public. Others might be saying, man, I cannot believe, look at that. But you know what you've prayed when nobody else was around. They may be scratching their head, how did this come about? But you're saying within yourself, I know. Because I've taken this to God in prayer day after day. I'm not surprised. Amen? I'm not surprised concerning what's happening right here in this moment. Number five, pray thoughtfully. Pray thoughtfully. What that means is we can find ourselves engaged when we go to prayer that we'll just say the same thing, but there is truly no passion or meaning because we're just become repetitious in what we say. Sincerely, you might even quote scripture. But if that's just your venue to be able to pray and still mindlessly think elsewhere because you've done that a gazillion times. Hear me today. You might be out there praying all oh, when when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard and you're thinking about the roast you're going to make later today. I'm serious. That scripture is your go-to thing because you memorized it and you know it and you can say it without really thinking or saying it. Pray thoughtfully. He told him in Matthew 6, 7, he said, don't use vain repetitions. Now, it's fine if you want to pray some of the same things, but be there as you're praying them. Be there as you're praying. Because if you find yourself just kneeling down or going and praying the same things, but your passion is lacking. I don't know if I've hit a nerve or what I'm doing here, but something. Your passion is lacking. It takes passion. Because you can say words, and it can be even scripture and all that, but if you've lacked in the passion and the vehement desire that was behind those words series back, and evangelist that was talking to me this week, and he said, man, I used to preach such, such sermon. He said, man, he said, I'm about ready to put away. He said, because evangelists do, by and large, preach some of the same sermons over different places they go. The body of Christ is in need of it at a time. He said, tell you what, last three times it has just flopped. He said, man, I don't know what's wrong with it. I said, you might not be as passionate today preaching that as you were the first few times you preached it. 
I said, it probably might not have anything to do with the message. And I know different cultures and stuff are different. I said, but a lot of times whenever my experience, it's this, it's that you lost the passion for. And just as that applies there, it applies with our own personal prayer lives too. If you get, if there's certain things that you consistently pray about, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you've lost your passion for the prayer, then it becomes nothing more but a repetition. Vain repetitions, babble, saying the same words over and over, but no thought behind them. Just saying them because that's what I say when I pray. Huh? Saying them but not being aware of his presence. Going through the motions of prayer. And I, I'm not here with a big paddle this morning. But we are coming to the end of the year and the start of another year. And so, man, this was good subject matter for our National Youth Convention. It's good subject matter for here. Don't want to go through the motions of prayer. Going through the motions of prayer and then just being able to get out your checklist and saying, okay, I prayed today. I am really not one being the bearer of bad news, but being able just to check off your list because you prayed a prayer that you prayed a thousand times with no feeling, thought, purpose, or meaning. And this is just Paul McGee. The Bible doesn't say this is just Paul McGee. Then it was probably just as good if you didn't pray. Amen. So we got we to be aware. Both Jesus and Paul, they both repeated petitions in the garden. Jesus was repetitive in what he was praying. Each time he went back to check, he was repetitive in what he was praying, but he was not any less passionate about what he was praying. Paul, three times a request of the Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. I guarantee all three times he was not any less passionate about having that deed done. Amen. So there, there are some things that can lend themselves to vain repetitions. Nothing against it. If you're a person that like to write out your prayer, that's great. That's fine. But sometimes writing out prayers or well-worded prayers, thinking that saying it just right is going to carry more weight with God, it's not necessarily the case. Anybody ever ask me how I pray? I tell them I pray just the same as I'm talking to you right now. I pray just like I'm talking to you. Just like God is in that room with me. My grammar is still a mess as it is as I preach. I don't have every T crossed and every I dotted. Amen. But I just pray to the Lord. Amen. Another thing that can somehow lend to vain repetition, again, ritual prayer, same prayer, same prayer, at the same time, for the same occasion, over and over and over. <laughs> there used to be a church that we'd go to. And it came prayer request time. What they said before prayer requests was verbatim what it was every single service I mean verbatim I could sit there over here on the pew and begin to quote what they were going to say before they said it because that's what they always said and it, it just become a ritual it kind of lost its meaning hmm? kind of lost its meaning and then something else was just peculiar about there and this just goes to show you that air place is different so then whenever it was time to go to prayer, I might have shared this before. When it was time to go to prayer for those needs, it didn't matter where you were. If you was in a pew, you were standing off, you was on your way to the bathroom, they said, let's pray. Everybody just took a knee. They did. I'm serious. If you were a guest, you had a slightest idea what was going on, folks. I'm telling you, right? You're standing, all of a sudden, everybody's taking a knee like they're footballing it down, you know. And they would pray. 
Well, I'm saying is this, that whenever you get, you got to get outside of just the ritual prayer. Thirdly, something that lends itself to vain repetition is thoughtless prayer. Saying words that sound like prayer, again, but your mind is elsewhere. That's the reason why it talks about casting down imagination, bringing in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to start your prayer off like that. You already know it's going to be difficult because you got a list that day. Well, let me talk about myself then. I know prayer's going to be hard when I got a busy schedule that day because my mind's thinking, how in the world can I pray whenever I got all of this to do? It real, it's a real deal, man. How in the world? God, I, I know I really need to pray today, but I got all this to do. It would be so much easier if I could get these very important things done. And I'll meet you tonight. What happens in those scenarios? Night never comes. Huh? Right? Never comes. But then I'm being the diligent pastor, you know, I'm down there praying. And God, it is hard. Because I'm thinking about, I got this to do. There's so, and these are, you know, these are timed things. You understand what I'm saying? They're time crucial things. They got to get done today. How many things got to get done today? And then we look at prayer. I'm telling you, I've been there too. Look at prayer then, though, as optional. And we don't you know, even justify, God, you know I got to get this done today. Okay, well, whatever's important to you. Whatever, whatever's important to you. So we can be there praying. Man, our, our minds are, you know, our minds are getting the tire, new tires on the car while we're doing it. Huh? Our minds about the company going coming over and we got to get the house cleaned up before they get there. Huh? Our minds about the three doctor's appointments we got to make that day. Can we just get real real? I mean, seriously, thinking about those three doctor's appointments. Can you imagine the irony of saying, God, I got three doctor's appointments to get to today. I'll talk to you later. Now, I'm coming up here for prayer. I really want you to move when I go. In service, I came up for prayer. I really want you to have your hand in it. But I'm going to bypass prayer on the day of them because. Well, I've done jumped in real deep here today. I'm telling you right now. See, what we do sometimes, we, we pray. <laughs> We're praying with our mind on hold and our mouth on automatic. Got to make sure our mind's engaged, that our heart is engaged. Look here, verse number seven. Jesus places this here right before the very prayer that is often repeated. Our father, he places these things of how we are to pray sincerely and secretly and thoughtfully. He places all that right there, right before that often repeated our Father which art in heaven. 
That's a great prayer, but it was more than a prayer. It was a model for prayer. Now, let's consider this length of prayer. The Bible says these hypocrites were they were praying some long prayers. Some people pray long prayers because they feel like long prayers convince God. He has to be moved. He has to be nudged. He has to be stirred and hear and answer. So they'll pray long prayers because that's going to convince God. Or they feel they need to pray long because they feel like God needs to inform. You know, he really don't know what's going on, and I need to inform God about everything that's really going on so that he'll really understand the situation I got going on here. I need to inform the all-knowing God what's going on. Now, the reason why they might pray some long prayers is because people, the equations, I don't know how this has happened, but the equation has been met, this direct line, that if you pray long prayers, then you are ultimately spiritual. Oh! Praying long prayers doesn't have anything to do with how spiritual you are. For that matter, I see through scriptures, Jesus uttered just a few words in prayer and the miraculous happened. Praying long prayers might be how spiritual you want other people to think you are. The Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day said things like this. Whoever's long in prayer is heard, and whenever the righteous make their prayer long, their prayer is heard. So maybe this is a Jew. This has come over from a Jewish culture. One famous Jewish prayer began like this. Imagine this. Blessed, praised, and glorified, exalted, and honored, magnified, laud be the name of the Holy One. Now that's a tremendous start, isn't it? <laughs> We don't have to impress God with our many words. We impress God, though, with being there. Mindfully there. Spiritually connected. There's been times I've had short times of prayer and went away feeling more as though I've been in the presence of God than times I've had longer times of prayer. And there's been times I've had longer times of prayer when it felt better than the shorter times. We are not cut cookie cutting this that it's got to be this way it's got to be that way it's got to no again if there's one thing you leave here with this morning just be consistent to talk to God every day the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 2 be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth therefore let thy words be few God doesn't hear our prayers because it's long and repetitious, but because we are genuinely pouring out our heart to God. He's interested in our motives. Why are they doing this? The Bible says in Psalms 51, and I'm hurrying toward a close. Psalms 51 and verse 16. For thou, David says, desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. He says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite 
heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Prayer in many venues is nothing more but a matter of the spirit and a matter of the heart. Not a matter of words and a matter of length. It's a matter of spirit and a matter of heart. He says a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. The Bible gives us a promise, a guarantee. God will not despise. God will not despise. So I can't go to my place of prayer, shut the door, shut out all distractions, and say, God, I'm going to give you some time today and go an hour and pray and then leave and think, man, God, where were you? Well, what was your, where was your spirit at during that? Where was your heart at during that? If you want the confirmation of the visitation of God, go in there with a broken heart and a broken spirit. And whether it's 15 minutes or an hour, if you go in with a broken heart and a broken spirit, you're guaranteed by his word. He will not despise you. Will not despise you. Amen. So in review this morning, you can stand with me as I review here. In review this morning, These five principles of prayer. Number one, pray regularly. Number two, your faith affects your prayer. And then your prayer affects your faith. Number three, pray sincerely. Pray secretly. Got to have those times of that secrecy of prayer with God where you can be open and honest, uninhibited by anyone else being around. Fifthly, pray thoughtfully. Engage your mind. Engage your mind. Ben Jennings, his book called The Arena of Prayer, said this. He said, without its biblical principles being taught, prayer is unstable. Without our catching the principles by applying them to our lives, it is sterile. So that's where we're at today. I've tried to teach them, but now it's up to us. To apply them. To apply them. And we will be talking about prayer from now until the rapture comes. Because it is that aspect of our lives, our Christian lives, that the enemy understands the power, the effectiveness. Whenever people pray and have communication with God, it will be one of the greatest battles in your Christian life to keep a consistent prayer life. It'll be one of the the, the greatest hardships in your Christian life. There will be times that you will be and feel, man, I got this. I'm successful. Only for a new day or circumstance in life to happen to you help allow it to snuff it out. And as you get going and you do it and you do it, then you keep doing it. But once you stop doing it just for one day and that process starts, It'll be the second day, the third day, intermittent. It's going to be, listen, I'm telling you today, whether you've been here as a new convert, maybe for just a few weeks, or if you've been around here for 20 years with a relationship with God, I guarantee you, whether young or old, in Christ, one of your greatest struggles is prayer. And it always will be. Yet if I find that to be a great struggle, then I must tuck back in the back of my mind, if this is a great struggle then it must be with purpose that this has great benefit, that this has, this has great sway in the heavenlies, that this is something that's very powerful 
Why would the enemy, why would the enemy begin to toy with you over prayer if it wasn't very significant to your life? Why would he always go back to that, Brother Greg? Why would he always go back to that? Amen. And never leave it alone if it wasn't something very positive, something very powerful, something very meaningful in our Christian walk. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we just bow our heads in this place today? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.